be seated if you want to be seated, right? Holy cow. So that's the song I'm going to be singing in heaven. So I guess that's the one. Uh, if we could have our kiddos go downstairs. You guys are going to have a great time. Oh, by the way, when she keeps playing the baby bottles, if you didn't grab a baby bottle or are interested in grabbing one, we're going to be through the month collecting our loose change and million-dollar checks for Rockford Pregnancy Care Center, so keep that in mind there. So, Father, we thank you today. Your presence is sweet here. You are as close as the mention of your name, Father, and you're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We thank you, God, today, wherever we find ourselves, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Thank you, God, that you're working among us. And that there's going to be some unexpected blessings happening, Father, in our midst. Not in the future, not in the sweet by and by when we're in a rocking chair. But right now. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to say the simple thing. Just simply whisper, right now. Right now. Right now. Amen. Genesis 28, I want you to know how many of you have had God show up when you least expected it. You might have been at a job, you might have been at the bottom of the barrel, you might have been in the biggest problem of your life, and all of a sudden God shows up. Because you know what? God is not, uh, he is not bound by sacred spaces. Can I get an amen? Amen. He's not bound by a religious uh, building or stained glass. Uh, In fact, where God typically works is outside the stained glass buildings. Um, Jacob was in the middle of a crisis, and what we have here is Jacob running for his life, and uh, his brother wanted to kill him. How many know that's a crisis? And you right now might be running for your life. It might have been your fault. It might not have been your fault, but you are in the middle of crisis. And I want you to know that God is faithful to you. And that no matter what it is, you want to try to figure it out and you want to say, well, how do I fix this? How do you do that? How many of you know you really can't fix your problems? Truly? We're not good at fixing our problems, are we? Genesis 28. And why don't we start in verse 1. So Isaac called for Jacob, blessed him, and said, You must not marry any of these Canaanite women. <clears throat> Instead, go at once to Paddan Aram to the house of your grandfather Bethuel and marry one of your uncle Laban's daughters. May God Almighty bless you and give you many children and may your descendants multiply and become many nations. May God pass on you to you and your descendants the blessing he promised to Abraham. May, your old, may you own this land where you are now living as a foreigner for God gave this land to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away and 
went to Paradom to stay with his uncle Laban, his mother's brother, and the son of Bethuel, uh, um, the Arium. Uh, go, meanwhile, turn, uh, why don't you move forward real quick to verse 10. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled towards Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. Verse 13. And at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you, your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and the east and to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you and will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, When an awesome place this is, it is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. And then he poured olive oil over it. He named the place Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. I think it's a better name anyways than Luz, don't you agree? Sometimes a name change is a good thing. Listen, sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of crisis. I want you to kind of look at the picture there. Jacob wandering and Jacob going to places. He's in the middle of crisis trying to figure things out. And he's going and he's uh, in, a, in a bad situation. We forget that God hasn't forgotten about us. How many of you have been in the middle of crisis and you've kind of said this in your own words? We won't admit we won't tell people because we have the little stickers and things that we put on our bumper stickers and our doorways. But you know, the psalmist had some things to say about God forgetting about us. And Psalm 6.3 says this, In my soul is in deep anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? Psalm 10.1 says, I say, why have you forgotten me? Psalm 42.9 says, why have you forgotten me? Now it's interesting in our lives... We kind of look at things and we kind of go to spaces and times and we try to figure things out. And it says that Jacob had kind of happenstance. He came to a certain place and he thought, well, this would be a good place to rest. And we get to a place there and we say, well, I'll figure this all out. I'll go there. And all of a sudden God shows. He lays his head on the stone and begins to have a dream of a stairway and angels were ascending and descending. I want to tell you today in your forgotten moments in life, how many of you ever, we can be a, Okay, here, we're a family, we're a small little group today. How many of you felt like God's forgotten you sometimes in your life? Okay, good. Can I ask that question again? How many of you ever felt like God's forgotten you sometimes in your life? We've all, we've all felt that way. We've prayed, we've prayed, we've done all this stuff, we've sought counsel, we've gone to this and we've gone to that, and somehow we still feel forgotten. I want you to know something, it's not a sin to pray, God, why have you forgotten me? I want you to also know it's not a bad idea in the middle of that to say, God, you know what, I don't understand, but yet I'm going to worship you anyways. Don't just stay in that forgotten state, because what the enemy would try to have you do in the middle of that forgotten moment where you feel forgotten, 
He would want to squelch you and kind of put that fire out and say, you know what, this is not just a moment that you're going through. This is a condition. And we get into a conditioned mindset that ultimately God has forgotten about my situation. But God has not forgotten about your situation. I want you to picture this ladder here, this dreamy ad. He closes his eyes, he lays his head on the stone, he's exposed, he's open. Have you ever gone camping before? Isn't it kind of crazy and intense? I went camping once in my backyard, you know, no, we went camping growing up. But one time I was a little kid, we went camping, and we were in the tent, and you know, my dad would set this beautiful big tent up. I mean, it was like a 12-man tent. I mean, you could sleep a, a huge family in there. It was great. It had little rooms and stuff. We always thought it was awesome going camping. And, you know, camping's a scary thing. You go out there as a kid and you hear all these noises and stuff and the suburban jungles that you live in. And, uh, and all of a sudden my neighbor comes out there and uh, my brother kind of put him up to this or my dad. Did you put him up to that or did Ted? Gus did it. Whatever he did, he saw that we were sleeping out there that night. His name was Gus. And Gus comes out there in the middle of the night and he gave a blood-curdling moo. And as a little kid, that moo, it might as well have been a bear. I was, I was scared the rest of the night and ran inside. It was horrible, those wild noises, and it ruined my night. We're forgotten sometimes, and we hear the noises of life and everything. I want you to know something that happens in this situation. Jacob had fled for 40 plus miles. Do you know that? 40 miles in a situation. And it's an amazing thing where God is at in our life, where we're fleeing and we're doing different things in our life, and we're working through and we feel forgotten. And God says there's an open heaven. He sees angels ascending and descending. You know, isn't that pretty amazing that God is always working? You know, we, we think that the moment we start praying that all of a sudden... God starts working. And I said this before the other week, that God was working in your situation long before you even thought to pray for it. Can I get an amen there? God didn't all of a sudden go, oh, wait, they're praying really hard. I'm going to start working now. Turn to someone and say, no. That's not a loving father. And a loving father is attentive to the needs of his people. And these are his children. And the situations... And as Jacob comes to this place, don't you think for a moment in the providence of God, where God knew exactly the moment where Jacob would be, and he said, this will be the place where he will have a divine encounter with me. Jacob sees an open heaven. Angels descending and ascending. In other words, God working. Executing, can you imagine all the needs going on? Can you imagine God cataloging everything going on for every soul and the planet Earth? The billions of people. And God working, God working attentive to the needs of His people. Folks, we serve a God that doesn't sit back and go, Whoo, I need a cup of coffee here. This has been a rough week. You know, we think of things that way, don't we, in life? We think we somehow inconvenience God with our situations. And there's an open heaven. Jesus even said in the model prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So folks, I want to challenge you today to pray when you're in your situations and you see things going on that don't line up with Scripture and don't line up with the Word of God. 
Don't just sit back and wonder, oh my gosh, what do we do? Folks, become an ambassador for the kingdom of God and execute God's word on his behalf and watch as the angels ascend and descend into your very situation. Jacob's blown away. You know, in the midst of our forgotten circumstances, Bill DeVoe wrote this, sometimes in Hebrew verse, the most important point is put right in the center of the poem. It is just so here in the middle of the book of Lamentations. Anybody ever read Lamentations before? Where the darkness is deepest erupts one of the most poignant statements about God's love in the entire Bible. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says this, and you might want to write this one down. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You're not forgotten. Turn this around and say, you're not forgotten. But I will tell you this, what's going to happen, and I don't know how it's orchestrated. I don't know how it works or what takes place physically, emotionally, spiritually in you and in me. But God will use those things. They might be a thorn in your side. It might be a setback. It might be a stumbling. It's not from God, but God will use everything for his good. Won't it? It's pretty amazing about God. Jacob's driven to a certain place looking for rest. Our random places of stopping. Many of us have been running from the wounds in our life. The pain, the regret, the dealing with things on our own terms. We aren't seeking God. We're just simply running scared. Anybody ever been there and you're like, you don't have to raise your hand, but you're just running scared. From Jacob's estimation, this is a good place. Little does he know that this place is where he truly will meet God. One writer says it like this, we've been running from stuff for too long, we've been ignoring, we've been avoiding, but then it catches up to us. Walking through this landmark, I have had to grieve so many times, the author writes, things both that was lost and what should have never been. Anybody had things in your life that should have never been? I've had to revisit my wounds one by one from A to Z. There was the loss of any substantive connection to my parents at an early age. The absence of any man to guide me or speak into my life. The first love that ended in a heartbreak. The lack of bonding with my peers. The intellectual darkness as I drifted into atheism and pantheism. And the loss of so much of my life to 20 years of depression. But as I have wandered through the sadness, the confusion, and at times the rage, I'm no longer just jabbering about the love of God. I feel it, and I know it. And this is where grief takes us. It's not something to just slog through and endure. Instead, grief becomes the suture that begins to close the terrible chasm between our head and our heart. Where we grieve, we simply allow our hearts to speak to us about what really happened instead of intellectualizing it or excusing it. As we do this, grief transforms the deep structures of our hearts. For the way we deal with life is so often some form of protection against pain. It soon crystallizes in order to survive the onslaught. And over time, the structure hardens like steel. But allowing our sadness to flow over into tears begins the melting. Our hearts come alive again, sometimes searing with desire, but alive nonetheless. Folks, when you get into places in your life, you might have to grieve in that forgotten state. You might have to grieve some things. You might have to grieve loss. 
Some of us take over and we say, I'm okay, it's just not a big deal. It's not that big of a deal. You know, there's starving children in Africa. How many have ever said that about your situations before? We cover over it. It crystallizes. And our hearts really become controlled. And we manipulate things in our life. Now, God hasn't forgotten you. The Lord speaks to him, and it's pretty amazing. Genesis 28, 13. Let's turn there real quick again. I want to say this again. Because it's important when God speaks to us. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I'm the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on become, belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread it out in all directions to the west and to the east and to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. I'm going to tell you in our forgotten state, when we feel like things are forgotten and we feel like things are not working out for us, you know, isn't it amazing how God reminds his promises to us? Abram, before he turned to Abraham, God would say over and over again, hey, look at the stars. He would set up reminders. I want to tell you today, when you feel forgotten, I want you to set up some post-it notes on your forehead or something to remind you when the enemy and yourself is lying to you. You know, we lie to ourselves all the time. We lie to ourselves all the time. We say things, you know, based on circumstances. We say things based on our present situations, and it's almost like it becomes cement to us. Things are bad right now, but we never ever look forward to the future and say, but you know what, it might be crazy right now, but gosh, there's some good things coming my way. Turn to and say, some good things are coming your way. What we do with blessings is we see God move or do something, and we're almost padding our life for a lot of bad stuff to happen now because we have that kind of Catholic mindset in us. And we're forgotten. By the way, when Jacob arose, he didn't say the Lord was in this place. He didn't use past tense. Jacob said the Lord is in this place. God is always present. God doesn't leave. He doesn't say, okay, blessings and like a little fairy, throw fairy dust on us and then move on to his next appointment. God is with us all the time. The Holy Spirit and His power. And it's a beautiful thing for us to understand this present tense God that we're at. The Lord is in this place. Because you know what? We always set people up in the church. We're saying, well, you know, in a couple weeks from now, the big breakthrough will put banners up and God's going to break through. Well, I don't want God to gonna break through. I want God to break through. Am I the only irritated one there? Here's what happens when we start to understand and grasp onto the knowledge that God is present, that He's an ever-present help in time of trouble, that even though right now in my present circumstances I might look broke, I might feel broke, I might be broke, that God is faithful in it all. You know, I love what Paul says. You know, you don't have to say, you know, everything that comes into your life is not from God. Can I get a hearty amen there? But here's what Paul gives us as a little secret. He says, in all things give thanks. In other words, you don't have to thank God. Thank you, God, for this lovely sickness in my body. 
I always laugh at people that think that all this sickness and stuff's from the Lord, and then they're running to the hospital to get the latest cutting-edge medical treatment. But I thought it was from the Lord. In all things, give thanks. In other words, God, all this nasty stuff going on in my life, all these things that are happening, God, in this right now, I am giving thanks. I'm not giving thanks for these things, but in these things, I'm giving thanks that you may work in a very powerful way in my life. What a difference! Seeing God's perspective in our present difficulties, here's what's going to happen. We're going to have to make an altar. Jacob makes an amazing altar. He says, we're unable to see things many times from God's perspective, even after God speaks. Isn't it amazing God does something beautiful? And haven't you seen this time and time again, even in my own life, God does something beautiful, and isn't it we're so easy in our human condition kind of to go back to where we were? God does something great, and then all of a sudden we're, we're still thinking the same way, we're still acting the same way, we're almost doubling down in our life and the things that really brought the junk before And it really didn't change anything. And this is where we need to change our perspective. And Jacob changes his perspective from this point on in his journey. He made a vow. He made a vow. Turn real quick to Philippians chapter 3, verse 19. I want you to know kind of how you are as a person of the Lord. Philippians chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. Let's start actually in verse 18. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think about only this life here on earth. He holds that against them. Think about that. They think about things only here on this earth. Here's what happens to us as citizens, folks, and Jacob, understanding that the kingdom that he was a part of was much bigger, this promised land. It says this, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Folks, we are citizens of something much grander and much bigger than what's presently happening here on earth. Isn't that a big amen? Seeing from God's perspective in our present difficulties, we must make an altar. And this is why altars are so important for you and for me. Your altar might not be here at this front of this sanctuary today. It may be. Your altar might be in your bedroom. It might be in the very place where the pain happened. And you, right now, submit your will to the Father, and you say, God, I am allowing you to work in this situation. Jack Hayford wrote this. God has a place of altering for us. There's a place of altering And the price of altering. Altars have a price. God intends something to be altered in us. When we come to altars to receive the promise, means we we make way for transformation. We're going to have to develop relationships with people. Stephen Arterburn writes, Stop focusing on what is so glaringly wrong with other people. It removes a huge burden from our backs. Many people have wasted far too many years living on the other side of the street in everyone else's lives. But you are meant to live on your side of the street, inhabiting your own life 
becoming the person that God intended you to become. You know, so often we can't get a new perspective because we have our minds in other people's business. We have our minds in other people's problems. You know, we can sit here all day and say, well, this person caused a problem and this person did that. But there comes a point in our life where we say, I need to live on my side of the street. Turn somewhere and say, live on your side of the street. I think this is where boundaries are good. I think this is where boundaries are fantastic. And your house, you need to take care of your home and your situations. People say about the problems and the politicians and all these things in the city, this and the city, that. Man, can you imagine if we just simply focused on our own homes and our own problems, how great this city would become? Jacob gives his plans to God, and he trusts God for the journey. Folks, this is where we're even going to have to develop a new relationship with God. So what does that mean? I'm a believer already. How many of you know in our life we've built certain presuppositions, don't we? We build assumptions, things are understood. We bring this kind of warped thinking to the table of Christ. We kind of work relationships and we kind of work with people and situations and we kind of work around people, work around things. We navigate, we navigate with our spouses, we navigate with our children. We do all sorts of things because we have these assumptions and presuppositions to our life. And that gets brought to the table with Christ. And we don't have an open feeling about God wanting to bless us. We don't have an open feeling that God loves me. We don't have this open feeling about God wants to do great things. We get really jaded and we get really kind of to a place where we just are always in pain and we don't see progress and we don't have expectation. Brennan Manning wrote this. We need a new kind of relationship with the Father that drives out fear and mistrust and anxiety and guilt, that permits us to be hopeful and joyous, trusting and compassionate. We have to be converted from the bad news to the good news. From expecting nothing to expecting something. Turn away from the sins of skepticism and despair, mistrust and cynicism, complaining and worry. Folks, think about this in your mind right now. Going away from the bad news to now stepping into the good news. How many have had enough bad news in your life? I want to know you today. Well, you're like, well, what if life's all bad news? Everything is bad news. You're not reading any good news. You're not filling your mind with anything that the Lord desires in your life. You're not, you're not filling your mind up. The Bible even declares like this, to put the mind of Christ on. It will not fall on your shoulders. The mind of Christ must be put on. The good news must be put on. Folks, I am telling you, when you get around skeptical cynicism, all this kind of stuff with people, are they really fun people to hang out with? And I don't want to be a church, and I don't want to have the body of Christ be a bunch of people that are just wandering around just going, well, I might happen to this certain place. I want people, and I want my life and my heart to still be open to say, God, there's a dream. God, give me a vision. Give me something to go after. Folks, I pray this for my children, that my children will have dreams and visions. Why do I want that for my children? Because if they don't have one, they will 
You know why we have gotten to the place of low expectation in the house of God? is because we lack dreams and we lack vision when we lack future in our hearts. Jacob awakes and he said, the Lord is here and I was not even aware of it. How many times when we walk through life and when we walk through the valley in the shadow of death and we go through those places, do we sit there and we keep moving and we keep walking without the realization that God is an ever-present help? We were not made for good times, folks. The church, the body of Christ, was made for bad times. Because God throws us into bad places. He throws us into bad spaces. He throws us into really difficult events. He says, you can handle it because it's my spirit that's in you. You can do wonderful things. Here's what God starts to do in you and me as he starts to repair that relationship. He repairs his identity inside of you. He doesn't repair your identity. He repairs his identity. The Bible says this, we become more and more like Christ. I don't want to become more and more like Steve, folks. I don't want a greater vision of Steve. I want to be more and more like Christ. Amen. Greg Paul writes this, the fall in my own willful disobedience has broken the image of my Father in me like a mirror shattered into a thousand shards. My Father in me, like a, I'm sorry, like a mirror shattered in a thousand shards, yet each jagged piece still in some small way reflects an aspect of his being. And he will not dispose of it. The fall is not the utter ruin of my relationship with him, but a proof of its ultimate inviolability. He is not sweeping those shards into a dusty pile to be thrown into the trash, cursing the inconvenience. He is gathering them, every sparkling sliver, assembling them into a new mosaic of his identity uniquely reflected in me. See, all those shards in your life that might have represented a forgotten past or a denial of that past, God doesn't just sweep it up away and say, I can't believe this. Oh, gosh, I can't believe this. Let me rub your nose in this stuff. Look at the problems you did today. He puts it all back together. Every shard, every broken experience, every trauma, every problem. And he says, I'm going to use this to create a beautiful, reflected identity in you and in me. As God speaks to you folks, here's what's going to happen. He's going to bring healing. Jacob comes out of it. He sees the rock. The rock that he rested his head on now becomes an altar. He props this altar up. Now it's a pillar representative of something. He pours the olive oil on top of it saying, this place now has been changed to the house of God. Here's the neat thing with you and me as far as changing names. Your experience, which had a certain name to it, now can be called the house of God. That experience which brought pain and torment and lacked freedom and lacked identity, you were living a different way according to a different style, now you pour the oil over and say, this is a new place and this is a new time and the unexpected things of God have now become expectations for me. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment?
I want you to know that God shows up when you least expect it. And you might think you serve a forgotten God. And we kind of get to the place in our experience with Christ where it's more of a memory than it is a present tense thing. In fact, I was singing an old song, and maybe you remember it, but it was by Amy Grant. And I was singing this in the shower. It says, My precious Savior is more than an heirloom to me. Folks, Christ today for you where you're at, He is not an heirloom. He is not some old picture of some forgotten time and place. God is not a memory. He's an ever-present help right now. And reflecting on Him, if you can imagine right now, visualize, if you will, meditate, And unfortunately, those are terms that New Age have taken away from us. But can you visualize a moment with Jacob? This open heaven on your behalf. Bring it to today in your situation. And that God is working. He's busy. He's about his father's business. Up and down. Up and down. Constantly working. Without pause. Without break. Moving, executing, accomplishing all that he set out to do in you. You find yourself now at the certain place, and all you have is a rock for your head. You've been stripped of everything you've known. All your creature comforts and all the things you ran to to keep you avoiding the problem. And God shows up. And He repairs and He speaks to you and He said, I'm going to give you what I promised you. This is the time at which all of us are awakened because God becomes less doctrine and He becomes more person to you. He becomes less order and formality and praying certain things to now you are entwined in relationship with the God of the universe. And He becomes your Father and you cry out to Him and you say, Abba, Daddy. Today, maybe you're like Jacob. And you say, you know, I've come to my certain places. And I felt like God has forgotten me. And I want my confidence restored. You can't restore that confidence. Christ has to restore that confidence to you. And He is more than happy to do it. And what He'll do is He'll remind you of what He's spoken already. That I love you with an everlasting love. And he'll confirm it with his word. Today you say, you know what, I'm I'm like Jacob. My head's on a rock, so to speak, right now. And I feel forgotten. I want Christ to fill my life up. Today, if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed... 
say, I need God right now. Right now, this is very pointy to you. Why don't you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God is speaking. Maybe you set the altar up. And maybe it's something that God gives you. Those of you who raised your hand. Say, I won't forget anymore. But I would be reminded of the promises. Maybe it's a scripture. Maybe whatever it is that you, you grab onto, that you hold, that visualizes the moment, that clicked in your mind, understanding that God is here. That I didn't even realize that God is here right now in the middle of all this pain. That God is here. I hate to reduce this moment for many of you personally to where you're at. But just as an expression, I want us to vocalize just allowing Christ to come into that moment right now. Would we all say this together very clearly? Father, I thank you that you haven't forgotten about me. In spite of what I've been facing, you've always been here. I ask you, God, to fill this space where I was wandering where I thought I was in control. And I trust you. I thank you, God, that the windows of heaven are open right now. That you're working. That you're working things out. That you're working details out. I don't see it, but I trust you. I trust you right now with every step that you cause me to take. The breath that you've placed in me. I want to use it for your honor. I thank you, God, for speaking to me. Help us, Father, to never forget that you are faithful to us. That your mercy is new every day. No matter where we find ourselves, we can justify ourselves in a circumstance. We can protect ourselves. But God, you are right here, right now. And you've changed the name of even the spaces in our very lives. God, I pray for those who raise their hands today that the very names which represented pain and other things, maybe there really wasn't even direction to the name of that place, now has been given direction. Now has been given purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Folks, I love you, love you very much. There's some things maybe you want to pray about or pray through. I'd love to pray with you. Maybe there's someone you want to grab here and say, hey, I want this place. I want to change the name of this. Would you just stand with me? I would love to do that or you guys, whatever the case is, the situation. But just know this, that God is giving us a wonderful, wonderful answer to our situation.
Amen. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Enjoy this weather. Bike rides. No TV today. Love you very much. God bless.